1: What up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the DNVR Draft Podcast, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm Justin. We've got Jake here. We've got Dre here. We're talking conference realignment again because this is just the forefront of everybody's conversation right now. There's a whole lot of moving parts. There's a kind of a lot of different ways that this could really play out. We dove into some of them last week, but it was kind of more focused on, yeah, the Big Ten and the SEC specifically and kind of how those leagues are are separating themselves from the pack today uh dre's gonna give his thoughts because he wasn't here for it we're gonna get into some college football and nfl props it's 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 a fun time football season's right around the corner i'm definitely getting the mood how's everybody doing though doing great
0: man yeah it's true we got to change uh change gears a little bit i've been a little uh hyper focused on the nhl draft a bit of a you know dark pleasure of mine um <laughs> because all, all these drafts they're so fun they all have their own nuances uh my biggest takeaway from the nhl draft position value really matters top picks two through 13 all defensemen and centers why aren't we like that why do we praise the stupid ravens every time they draft a box safety and a center <laughs> and round oh my god they're geniuses in the nhl they'd be like uh are we sure? I don't know. But
1: hey, okay, there you go. The Ravens is like Madden drafts. It's always fun players, it's players that you recognize from watching college football and yes. have that yes. like brand recognition. But like you said, it's a, it's a box safety or it's an undersized center <laughs> or, or something like that. It's all american heavy. And what i'm finding,
0: Justin, i don't think i've been on the pod since the nba draft. The The NBA draft has found its own Ravens, which is the Memphis Grizzlies, who drafted David Roddy that instantly became like NBA Twitter's like favorite player because the Grizz drafted this guy and people were just drooling over it. I asked AJ, I was thinking we could do a whole segment on like what each sports draft Twitter um, really has has made their kings. Uh, but it sounds like the NHL doesn't exactly have that.
2: Is this the way that Josh Rosen fights his way back into <laughs> 2022 revel- relevance? We start talking about Draft Twitter's crush on Josh Rosen.
0: Oh, man, that'd be amazing. Um, draft Twitter also pretty high on Baker Mayfield. and um, yeah. Craziness. Craziness. That
1: Sam Darnold and him are on the same team. <sighs> This just imagine. Yeah. Retrospect. I mean, that's a smash draft for the Panthers. They got two of the top <laughs> yeah. uh, five picks from the 2018 draft. That's tough to beat. It's
2: crazy how things like that work out, though. We spent so much time arguing, oh, Josh Allen, Baker, uh, Lamar, and then, you know, of course, Lamar's 32nd overall. Allen, everyone disrespected. And yep. now Baker and Darnold are on the same team.
0: Yeah. Um, it's wild, man. I love this shit. I just love it. And actually, these these periods of taking breaks and watching other drafts kind of like reinvigorates me. What's not reinvigorating me is this GD realignment. Not too happy about it. We've talked about it off air. Um, Actually, I'm kind of glad like I took a week to sit on this uh, because, yeah, there's a ton of nostalgia and really, you know... I think I've been really pragmatic on this pod over the years and always telling, you know, because again, I follow all these drafts and it's definitely an anomaly to the NFL draft that the one league you are picking all the talent from, with the exception of like Moritz Boehringer once every three years coming from like Germany or whatever, you, the second best league in the world, with no disrespect to the CFL, but at least like TV money and fan base wise is power five college football. And it's like, it's set up to be exactly the minor leagues for the NFL and how just whack and weird it is that you're selling out stadiums that are bigger than the NFL. Um, You're bringing in comparable revenue. I mean, these guys, you know Look at the TV deals. Uh, College football is raking it in compared to like the NHL. Um, Compared to even like abroad deals that these major European soccer leagues that aren't the Premier League are bringing in, you are talking about an absolutely top three type of media entity. And it's always been free. And the NIL started it, and we've kind of like opened our eyes and we're actually living out what I've been describing for years. What sucks is that actually doing it how it's meant to be by the letter. Ruins everything. It it completely destroys everything that makes college football so cool, which really when I started this 10 years ago, podcasting, that was my number one fandom. The number one thing that got me going was my love for college football. And, you know, I'll, I'll end my little rant with this. And it's something I told you guys in our group chats was like the thing that really got me juiced And fell in love with the sport and made me want to follow all 120 teams beyond the draft was I could tune in every Saturday and there could be a game in the Midwest, a game in the South, a game in Texas, in the Northwest, in Cali. That was completely going to discombobulate the entire national rankings that week because Purdue was about to do it again or Wazoo was going to upset some big dog in the Pac-12. And all of a sudden, by week six, Pac-12's out the playoffs. Or out the BCS, you know? Um, And the playoffs have come around. The NIL's come around. The TV money's really changed a lot of this shit. And uh, more than the rivalries, more than the the fact that every region has their own style and tradition, that's what I'm going to miss the most. Is that this just becomes an NFL regular season, all of a sudden.
2: It's well said. Yeah, I, mean, I
0: mean,
1: it's... Sorry, right, Justin, go ahead. No, I th- I think we we're going to basically make the same point, but it was... I just... Uh, I don't know. It, it felt inevitable in, in terms of, like you said, you bring up NIL, you bring up... You know, I mean, we already saw SEC, you know, poach Oklahoma and Texas... It's just I don't know. It's like Dre said. The, the nostalgic part of me really hates to see all of this go. That the reason I love college football in the first place, and, and I'm not saying that there won't be some intriguing matchups. Like what I like to see USC play, you know, Michigan. Yeah, I, I think it'd be an interesting matchup. But the problem is, is I think the assumption is that every week is going to be 2005 Texas versus USC, just this titanic matchup between teams from opposite sides of the country. It's going to be epic when in reality, it's going to be a lot of like Purdue playing UCLA in an empty stadium on a Friday night because they're trying to maximize the TV window and having all the games on. And like, there's, there's pros and cons to all of this. I mean, obviously it's cool to be able to watch college football all the time, but it's not going to be watching the same epic college football atmosphere, you know, that, that we all love. And so it's like, Yes, there's more of it, but we're diluting the product. We're pushing yep. away from the in-person experience. We're abandoning regional rivalries. Some of these are going to be really good. I just fear that a lot of the games in, in November mm-hmm. aren't, aren't going to be that interesting. But I do think a, a big part of how you feel on all this kind of stems from, do you have an emotional connection to a particular mm-hmm. region? Is that region going to play a factor in you know, the conversation moving forward? If you're a fan of a team like CSU, see you at the moment, things aren't looking very good. If you're just a fan of college football as a whole, you have zero emotional attachment. It probably doesn't feel like the end of the world to you because you're going to get some interesting matchups out of it. But yeah. I don't know. My, my biggest fear is that just once the novelty wears off, it, it's going to end up with a lot of meaningless games in November between schools that have you know, no history, no meaning. And are we really going to care about those games? I don't know.
2: It's interesting to look at it all because, I mean, obviously it was massive news when USC and UCLA made the announcement they were joining the Big Ten. Um, but, you know, it's there's so many things that go into this. But one thing that I've kind of, I think, started to think about a lot more, I mean, UCLA is really the big winner in all this. This is a team that, I mean, they can't fill out their stadium now um, and they're competing directly against USC um, they're a team that, I mean, they had a resurgence last year in terms of actually being somewhat relevant in the PAC 12, but this is a program that's been down for a long time, man. Um, and so, you know, just seeing them getting picked over Oregon as, you know, one of the first teams to leave the PAC 12, if you want to talk about quality, isn't that a little bit hypocritical? I mean, you're not bringing in the best of the best from the PAC. You're bringing in uh UCLA who's kind of tagging along for rivalry reasons, which I mean, it I guess it's a good thing that they're trying to show that they're making at least somewhat of a commitment to keeping some of these rivalries. I mean, of course, it's USC-UCLA. This is one of the biggest ones we have. Um, but if it was really about competitive, I mean, Texas and Oklahoma, that's fine. But, man, if you wanted to be competitive, Oregon was the team to bring in um, immediately, not UCLA,
1: you know? But that's the thing. is That's the thing that I think that's the most disheartening. If you If you really do love college football, the thing that's pushing realignment is not what is in the best interest of college football, is it's how can I get the the largest TV check. So yeah. it doesn't matter that UCLA is irrelevant. It matters that they get both schools in the Los Angeles market. And they don't really care that they're not that good. Cause honestly, they they're banking on Ohio State and Michigan and Michigan State kicking the shit out of them anyways. Mm-hmm. So well, I, I don't know. It's just everything's happening for the wrong reasons. And typically when that happens, it it rarely works out for the best. But that's oh. just my opinion. Well, and for scouting recruiting reasons, you know,
0: these all all of this is motivated by money and TV money. So locking down the entirety of that LA market, which is also, I do think it's underrated that LA west of the Mississippi is I, I don't know. I guess west of the Mississippi you, you run into Lincoln, but Lincoln's not a pro market, it is west of the Mississippi, the only major market that is college first pro second. Uh, at least as college football goes. <clears throat> that That is very, very unique to LA. Um, and from a recruiting standpoint, man, locking down all of Los Angeles, it's huge. It, you bring up Oregon, it's going to be a lot harder for Oregon to bring in those LA kids now when you can't tell them we're going to whoop you know, the Bruins and Trojans uh, twice a year. That's the pitch Ohio State Michigan's going to use. And Hank's been saying it for a year and a half. All those Cali quarterbacks, none of them went to the pack anymore, right? Look at the DraftKings odds, uh, top guys to be picked next year. They're all guys from Cali playing quarterback, and none of them play in the Pac-12 anymore. Um, the realignment winners is, is an interesting angle to take on this, Jake. UCLA would be one. Feels like Nebraska's one, oh, even massive. though right. It, it feels massive, even though they're like star has fallen beyond belief in 15, mm-hmm. 20 years, but they somehow have stayed and AM and Mizzou, man. AM and yep. Mizzou and Rutgers. Rutgers is a semi-miracle. They will be in the power too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we'll see though. We'll see if they actually will long term because that's my big thing right right now you have programs like rutgers uh vanderbilt maryland that kind of just being taken along for the ride yeah because they they don't want to you know open up these tv deals open themselves up to lawsuits but i mean if they if they break away from the ncaa or if they do something i mean at some point these schools are going to get kicked out because it's they don't care about student athletes anymore i mean they're going to be the women's basketball team, Rutgers and UCLA, are going to be playing in, in November. They're not going to be flying charter. How many days of school are they going to miss for that? Like, it's, it's all a facade. Mm-hmm. At, at some point, they're they're just going to be like, look how much money's involved. It, it's a business. We all know it's a business. We tried to pretend it wasn't, but it is.
2: On the TV side of things, though, that's another thing I've been thinking about in terms of um, <clears throat> at least USC. I'll start there for now because. When you look at these TV deals, um, I mean, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but when it breaks down, you're breaking it down, obviously, so that the teams kind of equally split the revenue. Right. But if you're USC, you why should you have to take smaller cut when you're a bigger program to keep the uh, the Washington States in the Pac-12? And I think that's something that's going to it's going to leak over into the Big Ten and yeah. the SEC, whereas they're going to realize, hey, we we have a super league here, basically, we're, yeah. you know, that's the goal. Um, what is Vanderbilt or what is Rutgers really going to contribute to the Super? It's coming, man. They're gonna, they're gonna. As to soon as you stop out, caring about APR, too.
1: As soon as academic performance rankings don't matter, mm-hmm. then you ditch those schools because they're not bringing anything to the table. And you hit the nail on the head. According to everything that I've read, that's been a very strong feeling amongst USC boosters for a long time. It's that why are we making the same revenue? that washington state or oregon state is making when the entire interest in our conference is predicated on us and obviously oregon and washington too but really i mean it's it's usc it's ucla those are kind of the premier brands in terms of like the shiny helmets and the history and the recognition and the rose bowl and all that so i get it like i, I don't necessarily blame these schools like individually for trying to Increase their own profit, do what's best for them in their eyes. I just hate that it's at the expense of, of what makes college football interesting. And I'm curious to get your guys' takes on what do you think is going to happen with these Pac 10 leftovers? Because I think kind of what happens next all stems from what happens with these 10 guys. Do the four corner schools go to the Big 12? Do uh, Washington and Oregon and Stanford ultimately end up in the Big 10? Likely with Notre Dame. But if they can't convince Notre Dame to come over, does do the Big Ten decide they don't want those West Coast schools after all? Could the four corner schools leave and the six remaining pack, like at San Diego State, Boise State, CSU, Fresno State, make a new pac 10? I mean, what did these 10 schools do? Well, we spent
2: a lot of time talking about it last week. And one of the things that I brought up was that, I mean, it's all got to stop from start from the top. I mean, once you kind of settle the top two leagues, it all kind of shuffles and falls down into place from there. Um, and in terms of these schools that are kind of being left out right now, I mean, said it last week, I think there's a huge opportunity for them to all kind of come together. Whoever's left around in the Mountain West, whoever's left in the Big 12, whoever's left in the Pac-12, um, just come together at this point. I mean, you know, the enemy, my enemy is my friend, I guess. Um, you know, you can't be just worried about yourself in this whole realignment thing. You almost got to kind of partner up and realize that, you know, you already got you already got left out. Um, you need to try and find friends now at this point.
0: Yeah, I mean, Justin, I think everything we're describing is it starts from the top. It starts, A, with these conferences changing and becoming, like, straight up the Fox conference, you know, and what have you. But it's exactly what Jake's saying. It's going to start from the top. I think Notre Dame is domino one. Because where Notre Dame goes... Right now, it feels like a power two. I think Notre Dame could swing the pendulum into a power one and then what do the remaining power brokers from the pack and ACC. No disrespect. I'm not sure I see any power brokers remaining in the big 12. Um, am I missing some, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, you guys are, are dialed. Um, and I think, I think there, there, is, there are enough leftovers right now to make a, a power three. Um, if, if the big dogs from the pack, um, the ACC, and the leftovers around those leagues were to band together, I think you could make a league that right now is almost as top-heavy and certainly deeper than the Big Ten and could be could be pretty close to the SEC, but that is that's a good, it would be ruthless to put that together because you need to you you the only way you make that happen is by having some foresight and doing exactly what you guys just described and being the first first ones to cut the fat and saying like hey these aren't student athletes anymore this is a pro team representing our school's brand. Um, like just diving in two for first, uh, a a man like Phil Knight might be the one with the money and foresight to actually put something like this together. But I think, I think between Oregon, Clemson, Miami, FSU, uh, and Notre Dame and Notre Dame who has dabbled with some of these schools, you, you could make a power three. I don't see it happening because
1: you're just so behind well and where it's going to get complicated is espn has the acc locked up through 2036 at a pretty affordable rate and so like for espn who drove sec expansion they're going to do everything that they can to protect their acc members from being poached by the big 10 who's con you know with fox so right like when you see those reports that are like the uh, North, Carolina, Florida State, Carolina—they're going to go to the ACC. It's not going to happen because ESPN won't let it happen because they're trying to protect the ACC and make sure that the the, the Big Ten doesn't, you know, steal their their extra TV money. So I don't, yeah. that's where it's all going to get weird. Is how do the networks, you know, kind of play their role in this? And that's the thing. That's ultimately again what we come back to is all of this is happening for the wrong reasons. It's not to make the most relevant football conferences. It's not to make the product better. It's not to make it more intriguing for us as college football fans. It's just ESPN versus Fox strong arming each other. And then they're talking heads like clat and all those people going on the networks and telling me why it's great and why I should accept it. Well, and there's absolutely no governing body.
0: Um, It's driven by the TVs. It's driven by the conferences, but as we're seeing the conferences, are merely trying to put keep things together. They have no real say. Uh, the schools are making the real decisions here and co- can go behind a conference's back and tie up a deal. And before my mind could even process it, USC and UCLA to the Big Ten was done. Uh, that's
1: what's crazy, man. Is the schools How that didn't these float decisions. earlier is kind of absurd. Because there, there were a lot of conversations that had to take place for that to... You know, and granted, that's the thing about conference realignment that you should consider when you follow these Twitter accounts and they claim to have sources. the amount of people that are actually involved in these conversations with conference realignment, it's really small. It's school presidents, it's huge boosters like Phil Knight. In some cases, it goes above even the athletic director. So like, you may be talking to some dude that works for the school and they're like, "Oh, this is happening. He doesn't know. He doesn't know. Uh, One of the
2: interesting things too that I've been thinking about is, you know, maybe take this podcast, put us in a time capsule to five years ago, and we're probably having a completely different conversation now about how to fix college football and how to make it better. And I wonder how many of these ideas that have already happened and that we've thrown out today. I mean, how many of those get thrown out? I mean, I think playoff expansion has been the driving force behind this and it was, almost an issue immediately after the playoff. I mean, when Ohio state got in um, I think the first one and they were a non-conference winner, if I'm remembering correctly uh, it's it kind of already in year one started launching these questions about, is this actually work? How do we make it better? Um, How do we fix the conferences? And something I said last week too. I mean, the math just never worked out from the beginning. You had five power five conferences. You had four playoff spots. You just kind of set yourself up from the beginning to really kind of, tear it all from the ground up and rebuild it.
1: Yeah. Reminder that the ACC and Pac-12 rejected a proposal to expand the playoff right before all this happened and they got left in the dust. So a little bit ironic. They were trying to protect themselves and make it, you know, so you couldn't... you expand it, obviously there's a potential that more SEC, more Big tents, you could get more G5s in there like Cincinnati. And I think that's what ultimately worried them more so than like more SEC teams. They're like... We don't want to open up the door for them. We're going to, That's going to hurt our chances. Well, now you're screwed even more. So I, I do hope some of these schools come together at some point And I don't know, maybe think not just what's in the best interest of me right now, but like what's actually going to be the best interest of college football long term. We'll see. Oh, it's, so much change is still going to happen like in the next year or so. I, I got to imagine we get multiple schools that potentially leave the pack or join the pack or the big 12 or whatever. But I think Dre is right. I'm not sure any of these other leagues can do anything other than, you know, adding Notre Dame or, you know, if you add some of those ACC schools, which as we've covered probably won't happen because ESPN, you're not going to be able to move the needle enough to compete with the big 10 or the SEC. Like those two, they've separated themselves in a way that's going to be pretty tough to hang with unless the best of the rest somehow form something else. Yeah.
0: Let's take a quick break. Then I want to ask you how you think the local schools will end up on this, Justin. And uh, let's talk some betting. I thought we might touch 10 minutes on this. And of course, we went (laughs) 30-40 because it's, I mean, literally changing everything we know about the stuff we love the most. The
1: action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially (laughs) this summer. (laughs) With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fool your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right, make your first bet up to $1,000. If it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. Throw down on all of the major action, whether it's baseball, golf, MMA, or more, they have it all. Same game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, props, you name it. Your betting options feel endless with DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm on a little bit of a cold streak. I'm I'm all about honesty, guys. Got to stop betting on the Rockies. I know there's nothing happening. And I'm like, I want to get some action. I want to care about this game. Well, my team is terrible. And uh, the only time I do well is when I fade them. So I guess maybe I'll do that. (laughs) It just feels wrong. But if if you're smarter than me, get on DraftKings. It's safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download that DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR. Make your first deposit. Get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. Only with that promo code DNVR at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Age and eligibility restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Shout out DraftKings. Yeah. Insane on the draft props. I love that stuff. Um.
0: All right. Yeah. So Justin, where do you think this leaves Colorado and Colorado State?
1: My gut is that Colorado goes to the Big Twelve along with the Arizona schools and potentially Utah. Really I think I think if you're CU, I think if you're the Arizona schools, I think you feel that it's inevitable that big the Big Ten is gonna come after Oregon and Washington down the line. Mm -hmm. potentially Stanford as well. Can you really trust that these 10 are going to stick together? Yeah. You're banking on a lot. And I don't, I think you have a a chance to at least provide yourself with a little bit of stability. I don't think the big 12 with those, uh, with those four would be on par with the SEC, but it's at least an interesting conference with a lot of regional ties, which, you know, for me, I, I, I would watch that CSU, um, I think you got to hope that you're able to pick up some of these Pac-12 leftovers in the Mountain West or maybe you form a new league altogether. As I covered on, on my podcast, I would say worst case would be the 10 Pac-12 teams stick together. They poach some teams from the Mountain West. It's not CSU. Yeah. You get left behind in a weakened version of your conference. Then you're screwed. That's worst case. I, I don't think that's very likely i I just have a hard time seeing these 10 teams stick together, but I mean, we'll see there there are some people there are some reports from people in in Oregon, Washington, California. I've seen a couple different markets, Utah, that claim you know that the the reports of these PAC 10 teams being interested is kind of being uh, blown out of proportion. It might be a little bit more I don't know, we'll see, but uh, i I don't think they're going to stick together. What do you guys think?
2: It's so hard to say i mean yeah. i you'd have to my first assumption and first guess would be that these kind of stragglers uh they have to kind of group up um my que- i'm going to answer your question with a question actually is it too late for schools like colorado and colorado state to have good years in the 2022 20, 23 24 and possibly recover some of their stock, I guess you would say? Um, is it possible to still kind of change the outside perception of your program and really uh, earn your way into the big league still? Is that possible?
1: Maybe. <laughs> I <I'd> Probably <laughs> not. I would say based on the how quickly you would need things to trend in the right direction for you, but I think a lot of it comes down to what happens with Notre Dame. If Notre Dame stays independent and Oregon and Washington stay on the West Coast, I think the Big Ten and the SEC are clearly a cut above everybody else. But I do think you still have an ACC, a Big 12, and then a West Coast footprint that's somewhat relevant. Obviously, it's it's still going to get dominated by those other teams. If Notre Dame joins the Big Ten and then all of a sudden Washington and Oregon join as well, Stanford teams up with them. What does CU bring to the table for the Big Ten there? Yeah. If if you're CSU in that scenario, I think you would be hoping that CU would try and bring you as a travel partner, but I think CU views themselves too highly to try and team up with CSU. Yeah. Even though it would probably benefit both of them in the long run. But I yeah, I I think it is too late, unfortunately. <laughs> Look, I think that it could make a five to
0: 10% difference in merely reminding people of like, we have resources here and we can have winning seasons when we figure our shit out and we're not firing coaches every other season, you know? Um, but, and I just hope the Rams use that Denver TV market card as hard as
1: they possibly
0: can because. The part, yeah.
1: You, the thing with CSU is you're selling yourself all on potential. And that's tough because like you, I, I love Jane Orville. They nailed that hire. I think he's going to be a good football coach. I think he can be successful. I wish they would have could have hired him two or three years ago, unfortunately, so that this program was in a, a a different place. But that's the thing about CSU and CU. You're you're selling yourself basically all on potential and what we once were with the right leadership. Um, I at least neither have
0: had it in a while. The Rams feel like they've got a decent growth margin and are a much more stable institution. than like all but 10% of G five, you know, <laughs> just from the, outside, I know I totally agree with uh, Yeah. Um, it's why like teams like Boise or North Dakota state haven't quite been able to make the jump. Cause they don't like if they had the baseline financials and like everything CSU has for like Boise would be Utah already. Um, CU you're more selling tradition and CU has dealt with the same roadblocks for 25 years when's that ever going to end yeah we go semi pro that might finally end i don't know i don't know if they're interested in going semi pro that they're I, I don't know what's happening at the top there i wish those people cared
1: about foot college football in colorado as much as we do that's the that's the big disappointment i think with both these universities is they just see you, especially they yeah. they don't have leadership that wants athletics to succeed. They'll do it for political reasons. They'll mm-hmm. do the bare minimum because they understand that they have to in this landscape, but they don't wake up every day. You know, Phil DiStefano doesn't wake up and it's like, you know what I want? I want the buffs back in the top 10 yeah. and it, it sucks. I mean, I, I will say that was the one benefit CSU had with Tony Frank when he was president is he not only liked athletics, he genuinely was passionate about it and played a very big role in getting that stadium built. But CSU doesn't even have a president right now. Joyce McConnell, they got an interim president. It's a, it's a, it's a kind of concerning time, to be honest. The athletic director, Joe Parker, his contract is up at the end of the year. Nobody's really sure if he's going to get extended or not. Hopefully, Tony Frank's the guy that's making all these conversations for CSU, and he loves CSU. He's still the chancellor, I'm sure he is. But yeah, it it sucks that neither of these schools just have a guy that would be, you know, really public. Like, have we seen anybody from either school go, you know, out and be like pounding on the table? Hey, like let's make Colorado into the equation. Remember when we were great programs? They're having the conversations quietly, but I don't know. I, yeah. I don't have a lot of faith in either of these, these school leadership boards to take the athletic departments where I'd like to see them go. I don't know if you have anything to
0: add, Jake, but it, it feels right now like college football in Colorado is uh, the dumb and dumber scene of our pets' heads are falling off. <laughs> and like only only a few of us losers who really love this sport even give a shit or realize it.
2: Well, I mean, just from covering both teams last year in and- I guess kind of getting a bird's eye view of both. It seems to me that CSU does have an opportunity in front of them in yeah. terms of the short term here. Um, of course, Norvell and a bunch of the quarterbacks coming in the scheme shift. Um, I think that could all play into their hands really well. Um, but yeah, maybe it is too late. I mean, even if C- CSU kind of pushes for the division win this year, I mean, is, does that really do much for these, for these conferences, for these other schools who are looking into this expansion thing yeah. and, really trying to be the aggressor and not get picked over. Um, So I guess that's just my
1: view of it right now. I think it depends on when this happens, right? I mean, if it if the next move is six months from now, they probably haven't done enough. If it's not until 2024, maybe, you know, if they had three seasons of winning at that point, like, I mean, we'll see. Um, But the the realistic view is that things are are probably going to be tough and that we may have already seen the peak of college football in the state of Colorado. That's, you know, something I think everybody always had in the the back of their minds, but it it feels more and more uh, likely at this point, which sucks, but it is what it is. Well, maybe we're like
0: that. The competitive aspect on the field is just what we're thinking about. Um, Because like, let's face the way you build a college football team has been revolutionized the last year. Um, so, you know, you might just say, like, yeah, who cares how they're performing now? As soon as they get all this TV money, they're going to be able to hire a better coach and they can poach all the transfers from the league they just left and recruit from there and whatever. You know, and look, it doesn't work out that way. Look at all the teams who have transferred since realignment. Not one has overperformed where they were at. Maybe a and um, Not by a ton, though. Like, realignment has shown us you are almost always going to be weaker on the field than you were at your last
1: stop. Utah's recovered nicely, but yeah, I mean, their first five years in the Pac-12, they were like a 500 team. Now they're at least competitive, but their last five years in the Mountain West, I mean, they were a top 10 team. Granted, it's a completely different era. Like, it was still BCS. Boise State was a top 10 team. TCU was a top fifteen program back then too. A lot of stuff was different, but I mean, Missouri, A and M, Colorado, some of these schools are making more money than they did. But a lot of them have lost really good rivalries. We're finally going to get A and M, Texas back when they're in the SEC. Those teams haven't played in a decade. Kansas, Missouri is not a thing anymore. I mean, West Virginia has been in the Big Twelve fifteen years. Does West Virginia have a rival? No, nope. I don't.
2: They had, they had Pitt. And that got blown up when the, the Big East kind of exploded.
0: So, <laughs> um, exactly.
2: So West Virginia's
0: just... biggest rival is the their time zone versus every other Big 12 team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Jake, you live in Utah. What was better, being a 1-0 to zero loss team with Urban Meyer, the first overall pick, and Alex Smith and a legit Heisman candidate? Or is it better to be a 2-loss team, win the Pac-12, but not necessarily be like the first or second team on the outside looking into the playoffs. So what's a better peak in college football these days? I don't even know the answer anymore, folks.
2: (laughs) No. Um, I want to get too in the weeds here, but obviously we're kind of moving towards a NFL minor league, right? Um, And that's got to be the goal for the Big Ten and the SEC here. So if you're Colorado and Colorado State here, at what point do you maybe... Look towards the Denver Broncos and try and get their help in maybe, I don't know, pulling them into this somehow, because if we're going to go this like minor league type ish route, how long until these NFL teams have official, you know, geographical hold on some of these schools and maybe you can bring the Broncos in and be like, hey, man. If you want your college football feeder schools to be right in your backyard, you got to help us out here because otherwise you're going to get stuck having to, you know, manage a, a Utah or an Arizona state as your, you know, as your kind of minor league team, as opposed to someone in your own backyard. Maybe that's just too, too far gone at this or too. uh, I don't know. I'm looking too much into it right
1: now, but I think it's fun. I don't. I don't foresee a future where the NFL is uh, (laughs) teaming up with them. I I don't think the NFL likes when anybody tries to compete or, you know, like similar. The,
2: The one argument against that though, I mean, I feel like the NFL has kind of been really pushing for a developmental league for the past five or so years. I mean, they really tried with the AAF and that kind of fell apart. Not really anything to do with the NFL. That was just kind of the, the formation of the league. And now you kind of have, you know, the XFL and USFL going on. And I mean, really, what are we doing here? Are you guys watching USFL right now? Like, did you watch the championship game a week? I mean, this yeah. league is, it's fun. Um, And it's interesting to have on, I guess, if you're into football in the summer uh, personally, I'm not, but I mean, if they're moving towards this kind of junior uh NFL type route, it's,
1: why not jump all in? Is that more interesting to you though? You, as somebody that grew up watching Michigan, Michigan would factor into this conversation. Sure. Michigan as an NFL feeder team, that's more intriguing than 110,000 people. Michigan, Ohio State, in the context of it matters in college football. That's the thing that I think we're over... Like, Look, we're NFL draft guys. So like, no matter what happens, we will watch it because we're going to watch it from that perspective. We want to see it. But is that going to be better to me than the current version of college football? Not even close. And it's for most fans, they're not even going to factor into this.
2: Great point. I mean, I I feel like I can do what I want to do and watch draft prospects and watch rivalries just fine right now. So, uh, I mean,
0: I guess we'll wait and see. I mean, gosh, what a great way to wrap this all up is why are we not watching the USFL, the XFL, the AAF, but we are watching college football? It's not because they're any more talented. The guys in those leagues are basically some of the best players from college football a couple of years ago.
1: Exactly. (laughs) Scooby Wright and those people. Yeah.
0: The the coaching level is the same and all but the top 10%. It's the rivalries. It's the atmosphere. It's like the stakes. The stakes matter. I don't give a shit who wins the USFL championship. I care who's going to win the Pac-12 North. I care about that. That's Love what we're guys.
1: losing sight of. That's what wow. we're losing sight of. We're going to get side. into some bets, but real quick, I got to shout out the homies over at Breckenridge Brewery. Mm. Breckenridge Brewery is the official beer of DNVR. We've got it on tap. Uh, we will have it on tap once our remodel is complete. But if you're at home, no worries. Check out any uh, liquor store, grocery store, whatever. Breck is everywhere. What's awesome is the Breck Brew Locator. We'll find the closest location near you. They uh, recently released a hard soda seltzer line. They're absolutely fire. They've got a summer shandy out. Lemonades are back. Really, I mean, Breck does everything right. But when it comes to summer, they've just got the best crushable drinks, whether you're like chilling by the pool. I was out by Grand Mesa National Forest last week. A couple of uh, mountain beaches out there after a five-mile hike really hit the spot. Check out the Breck beer locator. Find the closest location near you. And again, once our remodel is open, come crush a Breck beer at the DNVR bar. Boom. Always the best at Breck. Um,
0: okay, we're going to do some odds. We need to talk about actual college football that will be played next season. Natty odds are where we start from the good folks at DraftKings Sportsbook. Um Bama the Fave at plus 180, Ohio State plus 320, Georgia plus 380, and then everyone's plus a thousand or more. The only one within plus a thousand is Clemson at exactly plus a thousand. How are we feeling,
1: fellas?
2: Well, um, I mean, it's gotta
1: be Bama. It's gotta be the yeah. easy one just because we talked so much about how we thought they were a year early, anyways. Now you come back with. Bryce Young and Will Anderson. I mean, potentially the best offensive and defensive player in in college football. The value. I mean, if if you're going just like logically, who would be the team to to back? I would say Bama would be the easy choice, and obviously the the odds would agree with me.
2: Yeah, uh, I'm gonna argue for Ohio State here, though. I think that um you know they return a quarterback who I'd still slot him just below Bryce Young. I think I need to see a little bit more from Stroud this year before I get uh, too confident in his ability. Um, But they return probably the best receiving core in college football with Jackson Smith and Jigba. Uh, You have Marvin Harrison Jr. who kind of came on late for Ohio State too. Um, The question really for Ohio State is defense. So it was a question last year. Can you hold on? Um, You're going to be scoring 40, 50 points a week, but – Can you stop teams from scoring 40, 50 points a week? And also going back to the Michigan last game or Michigan game last year. Yeah. Can you stop the run, man? I mean, Michigan ran all over them Mm -hmm. and it was kind of exposed really in week one for Ohio state against Minnesota last year. Um, And it was just a problem for them all year. So defensively is my only real concern with Ohio state, but I think that they can definitely manufacture a run.
0: Yeah, I think that's the big question. Honestly, I'm kind of surprised that the odds for the Natty aren't similar to the 2023 draft and who will go first, where Bryce Young and CJ Stroud are basically neck and neck. But I mean, I get it. It's, it's the Will Anderson factor. Jake just broke it down perfectly. And while Georgia, yes, is a better team than Michigan, I think Michigan probably poses a bigger obstacle to Ohio State reaching um, playoffs, natty, et cetera, than Georgia does to Alabama just because different divisions, and it's an easier path.
1: I know we're going to talk about them more here in the coming weeks, but just real quick, Utah at plus 500. I know. It interests me. The thing that worries me, their non con schedule is brutal. They open at the swamp and they close against San Diego State. That's that's a tough way to open the first three weeks. But that'll help a lot. If they can go 3 0, though, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, I think you're looking pretty good. And I mean, you can, might even be able to hunt a cash out. After that, Arizona State, Oregon State, UCLA, that's how they open up the conference slate. I mean, there's. There's a potential where if Utah was sitting at 6 and 0 there they're probably top 4. Mhm. Yeah, I mean well, the making of a team I like going
0: into the preseason is a backfield I trust, quarterback, running back, they got that. Strong in the trenches, continuity on the coaching staff, the defense always shows up. Like they're great. It's just this isn't to make the
1: playoffs. This is natty. That's a good, good point. Well, just um, to make the playoff, was is they have them at uh, plus 500, though. That's intriguing. Now you have my attention. So, uh, Are we doing
2: to make playoffs here?
1: I just yeah. threw it out because I was nice. scrolling through and I saw it. But if, if you want to throw one out, go ahead.
2: I was going to say, man, um, Oklahoma's down. Uh, obviously, a lot yeah. of turmoil from that program. Yeah. I look at Texas. Can they make the leap here? You have a quarterback who was a massive recruit last year that came in, and Sarkeesian, who I'm a big fan of. Um, you would return one of the best running backs in college football, Bijan Robinson. You have some weapons on the outside. Uh, of course, defense, again, is going to be a huge question for Texas. But I feel like there's an opportunity in the Big 12 there. And there's an opportunity in Week 2 for Texas playing Alabama. I don't, I don't expect Al- uh, Texas to really take it to Alabama in that game. But there's a timeline where that game is competitive and Quinn Ewers throws for 400 yards and four touchdowns on this Alabama defense. Is it possible that this team is capable of making such a leap,
0: though? Especially when the, big, the 12s have usually been the ones left out come playoff time, right? Um, and it's and, Texas. Yeah, it's Texas. And Bama on the schedule means you basically need to be perfect outside of that Bama game. I don't mm-hmm. think a two-loss Big Twelve champ gets in, right? Uh,
1: history's proven that. So it's just such a wonky league. Like Oklahoma State's defense should still be pretty good. Kansas State, I think, low key is who I'm gonna back in the Big Twelve with Deuce Vaughn coming back. Wow, Martinez at quarterback. I I think that they're gonna be a little bit uh, frisky. I don't know. I just I, I mean, feel like for 15 years we've done. Oh, well, Texas has got this, he's got this, all they've got to do. And then week two, when they lose to Bama by 35, we're like, yes, Texas is not back. I mean, if Gundy hadn't, you know, burned me, basically my entire
0: adult life, (laughs) I would believe in Oklahoma State. That's a team that was like, that was one of the few um, teams last year that was like top 20 and, um, I was like, shit, I never have many guys to watch draft-wise on this team because they're all, like, 23 guys. Uh, So they actually bring back a lot of talent. I like your point, Jake. Like, Texas, to me, in no way should be double the odds that Oklahoma is to make the playoffs. No way. Because Oklahoma, I think this really is the year that things all kind of fall apart. Because they, they need to go through a complete, like, like philosophical team construction change because they're going from uh, the offensive head coach to what hopefully can basically be like Bob Stoops 2.0. So you completely need to switch your mindset as a team to be defense first all of a sudden. I just don't think they have it in them. I think that's more of a like, by the time we get in the SEC, Venables will have these guys set up and ready to play SEC football it's not going to look that dissimilar to what old big eight football was 25 years ago.
2: Yeah. With with Oklahoma, I mean, it's just, they got gutted. Uh, That's the biggest issue, but I don't like Dylan Gabriel at quarterback. Um, I don't think he's a great quarterback. Brent Venables, as you mentioned, Dre, that's a huge philosophical shift. Yeah. And there's just bound to be a transition period. I think, I mean, Oklahoma was better defensively last year than, they have been. I mean, I say that a little loosely, but... Well, oh, you watched a lot of Oklahoma tape, too, with uh, two drafts. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just, I mean, with Venables coming in, it's, it's just going to take time. I just don't see this team being top of the Big 12 this year. And it's just that number on Texas plus 900, when you think about it, it's... I mean, this is Texas we're talking about, man.
0: I know. Well, other to make the playoffs, we kind of wanted to touch on... That are like the shorter odds. One, not, not we've already mm-hmm. touched on some long shots, and you know, you can make your case. Alabama to make the playoffs minus 240, no is plus 195. Could this be like once every five years, Saban misses the playoffs? Does that sound about right, Justin?
1: Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's from takes a, a, value a miracle kick six.
0: But like, yeah, exactly. usually
1: takes something walky like <laughs> yeah. Johnny Manziel going for six hundred yards or the yeah. freaking kick six. But yeah, I don't. I mean, there's not a lot of value there at minus two forty. I'd probably, if you're gonna bet on Bama, I would try and see if you could find like their regular season win total and bet on them to go undefeated or something like that. Try and get some right. kind of plus value. Yeah, and I mean the SEC. It kind of feels like not a
0: lock, but they they have a lot of odds in their favor to have two teams make the playoffs just about every year now. And so Georgia at even money at minus 115 to make it
1: kind of feels
0: juicy. Jake, you're skeptical. Uh, I know they lost a I lot am. of talent, but don't they have a ton of talent returning too?
2: They do, and I love I love that program. I think that they, yeah. the way that they've kind of Kirby smirks kind of, I don't want to say turned them around, but oh, he this has. is a team that should no, have been has. in the title picture. Yeah. yeah and, but he's brought them there. Um, I don't know. They lost so much, man. And do you really, I think you have to, it comes down to how much do you believe in Stetson Bennett to really kind of do it again? I think, because I know he played well last year, but does he really, he, they didn't win because of Stetson Bennett. They didn't win oh, because no. of the Georgia offense. So I think you need to see guys step up on that side of the ball. I mean, they lost Pickens. They lost Zamir White, um, too. So, So that's tough for me. James Cook, I mean, they lost a lot. And the left side of the line,
0: right? And that's...
2: Yeah, it's gone.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's completely gone. I mean, to me, their offense was low-key lit last year because they could just, like, play big boy football. But, you know, you also got to remember their O-line coach uh, two years ago when Andrew Thomas and uh, Wilson... Got drafted in the first round, he left to become the head coach at South Carolina, right? So between the o line between the coaching stuff, but generational talent at tight end i I never worry about their running backs like they will always have all star running backs uh between how they recruit and like the history of that program in producing at that position. so offensively, I think they'll be fine, and I mean. The corn the the secondary is going to be better than it was a year ago. So we're really asking, can the front seven be anywhere close to the transcendent front seven it was a year ago? Not a bad start with Jalen Carter in the middle and Noel, Nolan Smith coming off the edge.
2: And they're going to have linebackers too. Georgia also oh. produces linebackers like crazy. You're going to have yeah. some other guy running sideline to sideline, making 12 tackles a game too. Yeah. Uh, what about? I mean, I don't we might be going to two for here. What about LSU though? I mean, with Brian Kelly coming in, I like that higher in terms of scheme and trying to get LSU, I guess, up to speed in this new modern SEC where you got to be able to play some offense. Um, Brian Kelly, one of the brighter offensive minds, I think, in college football. And looking at the schedule here, I mean, it's really set up for them. You have out-of-conference games against Florida State. Uh, you got New Mexico, UAB. I mean, there's not much going on. Of course, the SEC is going to be a gauntlet. But the schedule sets up for LSU to really nicely beat up on cupcakes and uh, you know sneak in. This is LSU also. I mean, they're going to have players coming in. I know that they lost a lot to the transfer portal too, but uh, there's players coming in. I just brought them up in terms of the SEC. Who could actually push Bama here?
1: A M, maybe, mm-hmm. if they could get the quarterback play. Mm-hmm. I think they're I mean, like plus 800 to make the playoff. Yeah, what
0: you bring up about LSU kind of makes me feel better about my Georgia pick because it's like I mean, and I know they're in the West, but it just got me thinking, yeah, I mean the the SEC East is so weak. They'll just run through it. They could they could easily not even be that great of a team and still end up with one to two losses, two losses in the
1: SEC has you right in the mix for the top four especially depending on what happens with the Big Ten and if you get multiple losses there. I mean, you're probably feeling a little bit worried if you have Michigan and Ohio State both at 11-1 and or one of them's undefeated and one of them's one loss or something like that. But what what about Notre Dame, uh, who opens the season Um. at Ohio State? If they could pull that upset, Mm. get a pretty decent shot. But the thing about Notre Dame, and I credit them for doing it, They always play such a brutal schedule. Like, they got to go to UNC. They're playing at BYU this year. That's low key going to be a really hard game. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, the jerks in town. (laughs) (laughs) Stand up, jerk of the tide. Um, Oh,
0: man. man. Yeah, go ahead, Jake. Uh, uh,
2: (laughs) Don't get me started on Boston College. But uh, Notre Dame, um, I. It is a decent schedule. I just don't think the schedule honestly is enough. Um, the team I want to talk about that's on their schedule, Clemson. I think Clemson's down. And personally, I don't think Clemson is as close to that plus 155 number to make the playoffs that Kraft Crazy. Kings has listed here. Yeah. Um so really you gotta you gotta win the Ohio State game if you're Notre Dame. I think that's just it starts week one. You have to win that game in order to really if you if this team is capable of making the playoff in any capacity, they have to win that game. And I just think that's a tough ask.
0: Well, wait a second. Couldn't um, USC Notre Dame could be kind of the big daddy of them all.
2: Yeah, that's but a good one too.
0: With Lincoln Riley, Caleb Wilson, Jordan Addison, you know, Trojans fully back. And then you get to kind of, Christen uh, a strong schedule for the Irish, maybe not the strongest for the Trojans. In fact, kind of straight up dudes this is for the Trojans. Jeez, yeah. um, <laughs> USC man. is going to have to run the table. They have to, yeah, yeah. I mean, outside of Utah, Fresno State might be their toughest game until they play well, Fresno. Game. Will be
1: really good with Hayner coming back, and they've got. But it's also it's not going to move the needle with the you know, CFB playoff committee the same way that some of these other, you know, Utah opening in Florida, obviously a lot more impressive than anything that, that USC is doing. So the, Justin, the, you... No, go ahead, Jake.
2: The thing USC has in their favor, though, is, I mean, Lincoln Riley's there now. In these games against Washington State and Oregon State, they might win these games by 40, 50 points. So they're going to have the big wins. They're going to have the, uh, you know, the, the kind of glitz and glamour when you look at their schedule, because you're going to see big numbers. Um, and, but you got to win. You, they have to win.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I know JMIQ and I have talked privately of how USC is decent odds for Natty. They're plus 400 to make the playoffs. Is their path
1: just too hard? I I have a hard time seeing it. I don't, just year one, you need everything to come together. Obviously, the, the schedule it helps that you're not playing a bunch of beasts they should be able to win just with the talent that they have alone but i don't know i have a hard time seeing usc in year 1 competing with this veteran utah team or i don't know or even oregon with what they return mm-hmm. defensively like i think everybody's yeah. just kind of writing usc off as they're going to run away with it this year and i got to imagine there'll at least be a couple of growing pains Are we
0: talking ourselves into a Final Four that's two Big Ten, two SEC teams?
2: Oh my God! Imagine. (laughs) Oh my God! It
1: begins. (laughs) It could really happen.
2: Oh, that would. I think there would be a lot of very, very upset people if that would happen. But man, it would be almost too much fun to watch the fireworks from that and just no kidding. Um, can we go to Clemson though? Uh plus 155 to make it, minus 190 to miss, minus 190. I mean, I don't know if there's much value in that number, but I just don't think this team is playoff caliber. I know that it's Clemson. I know Dabu was gonna be recruiting, and you've got some studs on the defensive line. Um, you got some studs uh in other positions too, but I just it all comes back to DJ Uyangalele. I mean, what we saw yeah. last year was. Shocking almost. I mean, it was yeah. not good. And, you know, can can he be saved is the question, I think. I mean, he's got to sink or swim this year. He's going to be thrown out there. He's going to start, but it all rides on his shoulders. And I just don't think I can buy in on that level.
1: That do you guys was think Dabo's locally, a great coach? It's a great question. It's a uh, great question. Because it's easy to way? win when you have the best quarterback in college football and arguably the best defensive coordinator, which is what he's had throughout. Basically, this entire dominant stretch. Now he finally gets tested, though, because he was atop the recruiting rankings
0: and everyone was doing recruiting the same way he was. And that was the one top program that wasn't losing assistance. He was able to hold on to those guys till the very end. And that team has to be defense led because it's just studs across the board. Brian Brees, insane talent up front. Yeah. Without Venables, though, can they play as well, if not even better than they did a year ago? Or do they regress? And DJ is going to have to have one of those years a la Carson Palmer, a la Baker Mayfield, Zach Wilson. Uh, We've seen guys who it was like, eh, jury's kind of out by this point. And then final year, everything clicks, turn it around. And, I mean, the raw tools are all there to be, like, Big Big Ben, basically. Uh, more athletic.
1: But uh, he was real bad last year, though. And, and I hyped him up in a major ugly. way yeah, going into same. the season. So, I mean, he was my preseason Heisman pick. Like, hey, oh, it just. He put 45 and took Notre Dame to overtime
0: when that defense. In his changed. first start. Yeah, first start with JOK and Kyle Hamilton and, like. Both those edge rushers went to the NFL. All those corners are NFL guys like that. was That was a Notre Dame team that until the final regular season game, they were ranked in the top four. Um, and DJ looked like a stud. It, so, yeah, I mean, I feel and he's that's another Cali kid. That's another five star Cali kid. Him and Bryce Young. I think were fighting it out um, back in the day at John Bosco. I'm pretty sure so. The pedigrees there, the raw tools are there. Uh, I'm, I too, though, am out, and, and which is crazy because there are like 20 quarterbacks being hyped going into this season.
1: You know, a lot of them who don't deserve it. Right. I was going to say a lot of them are about a month into the season and yeah. will be out of the conversation. But that's it is fun at least to have the, guy. you know, Bryce Young and and Stroud and. All these different QBs, even a couple of them that aren't necessarily going to come out after this year, like yeah. we already brought up Texas. Like, what happens with Ken, Quinn Ewers? Like, is mm-hmm. he able to be the, the prospect that he was hyped up to be? At the year of the quarterback, I'm looking forward to it. Same.
2: So, I have to ask you then is we kind of already talked about two SEC teams, two big team, two big 10 teams. Michigan's at plus 450 to make the playoff. Yep. I mean, Their issue going back since Harbaugh got there was getting consistent, reliable quarterback play. It seems that they finally have that. Uh, They've got a pretty decent quarterback room. They're going to be able to run the hell out of the football. They've got guys up front. Uh, Defensively, they seem to be able to replenish and reload. Um, And, you know, they did kind of hit that peak last year, I guess, um, making the playoff finally. Mm -hmm. Can they get back there? Um, I'll pose the question to you guys.
1: Going to be tough after they get upset by CSU week one. But I mean, <laughs> I if they go coming. 11 and one, people will forget. <laughs> yeah, you just worry
0: about the talent they're faced with, you know, and how good does Mel Tucker have Michigan State playing and what have you. But honestly, yes, I'm taking that <laughs> and I'm taking Georgia and I'm kind of going to. I'm gonna root for the power two to come out. And it's an
1: emotional <laughs> edge at this point, I guess.
0: They're not I'm in on Harbaugh at this
1: point. As much of a dork as yeah, I think right. he is, I think he's a phenomenal head college football coach. I think he's oh. just got the right energy to succeed Incredible. in a program like Michigan. They have the talent. Like Jake said, they just they haven't really been able to find the quarterback. It's all they've needed. I I think they have a good enough quarterback. To win, you know, like 11 games this year. So Mm -hmm. as as long as they don't blow a game, they should be firmly in that conversation.
0: Might he be benefiting from the increased roster turnover that there is in college football now? (laughs) Like the thing in the NFL was like, guys can't deal with the shtick after three years. Like it just becomes exhausting. It's hard to put it all on the line. And who's got it better than us? Like it just starts to fall on deaf ears after a while. In college though, you're really only with the guys 3 years. Um and in some of these cases dude transfers see you 2 years and you're off have you know have a good <laughs> NFL career later buddy. So that you know maybe maybe that is something that's hurting guys like uh Dabble and
1: and Jimmy's benefiting. Listen to this I mean, Michigan schedule real quick. Let's do it. They open against CSU on September 3rd. Then Hawaii comes to town, then yeah. Connecticut comes to town. Oof. That's th- All right, 3 and 0 assuming that my Rammies don't, you know, pull a miracle. Yeah. The Big 10 play, they open at home against Maryland. They go to Iowa, if they survive that, you're 5 and 0. They go to Indiana, 6 and 0. Penn State, if you survive the Penn State Michigan back to back, You've got Rutgers, Nebraska, Illinois before you end against Ohio State. I mean, they have a really favorable schedule. And I don't know if that was meant to kind of dig at them, but to their defense, this is
2: a team that's really gone out of their way to schedule um, you know, meaningful out-of-conference matchups. I mean, they've played Alabama. They've played Washington. They've tried to keep Notre Dame in the fold. So this is just a year, I think, where Michigan just had it kind of land favorably. I mean, you mentioned you get Penn State at home. You get Michigan State at home. You got to go to Ohio state. Of course, that's going to be the big one, but yeah, if you can survive that, I'm assuming it'll be a night game in Kinnick uh, first of October against the Hawkeyes. That's really, you really set yourself up to make it there.
0: Boy has the big 10 embrace the power too, because that sounded a lot like an sec out of conference schedule, you know, um, <laughs> the kind of cupcakes, Jimbo schedule for his team. Yeah. Um, Honestly, man, you reading that, there felt like there was enough meat on the bone in the conference schedule to where, again, you show well enough. That feels like a team who, at two losses with things falling right, could have a case to make it. In.
1: Like at Especially Iowa, if it's in sucks. the Big Ten title game. I yeah. mean, there's, there's a lot of ways that they, this could go okay for them. Yeah,
0: I mean, still just to be at Iowa Penn State, and then you gotta take on Michigan State and Ohio State, like it's not many teams with like four harder matchups on the schedule. And you're not even counting Nebraska. Like, you not know, Nebraska might be an 8 one team next year. Don't I mean I wouldn't bet on it, but
2: well, Michigan State too. I mean, they were not a pushover last year. They beat Michigan last year. Yeah. I mean, they bring their quarterback. Don't have to get there, into that, but
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was a Michigan State team. Like put together in one year, that was all transfers and shit. So, like, with a little continuity, that should the arrow should be pointing up there too. Yeah.
2: I know we're talking playoff and stuff, and they're not listed to make the odds. But I'm huge on Penn State this year. Um, I don't know why they're not listed, honestly.
0: Interesting. That's a little odd. Interesting. Yeah, LSU wasn't either. Your uh, your dark horses, Jake. They're yeah. draft You gotta take shots. Offense.
1: That's right. Um,
0: this was Any great. like
1: conference winners you want to throw out just real quick before we go? I mean, we've already gone way too long, but I'm just going to say Kansas State to win the Big 12 plus 1,600. It's really good value there.
2: Um, if we're going a little bit deep here, North Carolina State I think is very exciting at plus 900. They return one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, you do have to replace, you know, they lost the left tackle the Quanu. Was a huge security blanket, but I think North Carolina State's a really good football team in that plus 900. I mean, this is the ACC where Pitt won at plus 5,000 last year.
0: Crazy.
1: I think Oklahoma State at plus 550 to win the Big 12 is intriguing at this yeah, point. Yeah, they should be really good. I mean, they bring back most of their talent. I just have a hard time backing Gundy. I'm like, oh, I've been spurned too many times. Um, Mountain West, real quick, Fresno State plus 230 is intriguing. I like Air Force at plus 400. I like basically anybody in the top six other than Boise State at plus 215, who's the betting favorite, basically purely on name brand alone. I do think they'll be better than last year, but there are better and more experienced teams to back. Love it. Uh, my argument for Gundy would be maybe
0: of the top three in the Big 12, they care a little more. And those other teams are already thinking two years from now in the SEC. That's 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 actually a really to strong make an argument, argument like on that. a podcast, yeah. Yeah. and was half baked and just came off the noggin. <laughs> Wouldn't read too much into it. But it's it's <laughs> a fun argument to make. Yeah,
1: I'm bad Beth for him. Just means more <laughs> yeah. in Stillwater. Yeah, yeah, exactly,
0: exactly. <laughs> yeah, truly. Um, thanks, guys. Always a blast. We could we could literally do another hour and a half on all this stuff. Uh, which is why we hope you'll tune in next week. Um, so yeah, and as we did all that betting segment, all brought to you by the presenting sponsor of this here podcast, DraftKings Sportsbook. They are number one. Use that code DNVR and uh, get back on the saddle, just like Justin's going to do here as college football's back in the mix. So thanks, fellas. Always a pleasure. See you soon.